pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 24 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss fantasy super rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Check out the platform at draftrugby.com and you'll find us on the socials at Draft Rugby. I'm joined once again by over Zoom by both Harry and Nelson. Gents, how are we? And um, how did you enjoy the footy over the weekend? I didn't see you uh, over the weekend. It was, uh, it was a bit of a mixed bag of footy, but I mean, rugby's back and we're getting more and more rugby and that's all that really matters for me. I think there's, there's a lot of room for growth with Aussies, but they are quite young players and we're, we're definitely noticing that in comparison to the, the Kiwis, but it is good that footy is back. Look at Nelson trying to play it cool. He actually won a round of fantasy football. How is not the first, that the first thing that came out of his mouth? I have no idea. And I, I had a much better score than you too, Harry. So. Yeah, All right, well, he's back. He's play back now. Man, play the man. <laughs> That's true. Look, to be honest, um, I, I, I wrote my own team off this week and um, I lost. But uh, when I found out I'd won, you know, that wasn't as big a surprise as finding Nelson in the top four of the table. I mean... It, it's, it's got to have been years since that's happened. So, um, oh, that's a stretch, mate. It's, um, it's enormous. But uh, Very good. Harry, how do you find the games? I think you characterised them into uh, three fell into one category and one into another. Do you want to elaborate? Yeah, that's pretty much it. There was a good game and there was three crap games. But um, I'm sure we'll go through that a little bit. Not a uh, lot more detail. <laughs> the crap, the crap games, that's still better than rugby league, right? 100%. <laughs> that's it um, and I did as we alluded to uh, last week I did head out to the game at Brookvale up my way in the Northern Beaches uh, it was funny going to a Queensland versus Melbourne uh, game in Sydney's Northern Beaches um, and I, as I said I think and, and as I said I think they were ambitious uh, they said they were going to limit tickets to three and a half thousand people um, for social distancing and whatnot. Um, I don't think there was ever three and a half thousand people going to this it game. was raining though wasn't it it was raining. It was raining, um, and yeah, it was it was a bit of a well, was a bit of a slog fest. But um, anyway, we'll we'll jump to that. So yes, we alluded to our fantasy this week. We all won. We're all in the top four. Fantastic. Um, but just to be clear, Harry and I are above Nelson. So just you know, nothing <laughs> has got to change too drastically. But, um, that was implied. <laughs> That's true. I, I, versus the the record low score this week. Let's just put that out there. That's true. Is it? We I expected one of you to have found out whether um, is it AJ uh, has did get the lowest ever score in. Um, we, we didn't need we, to check it. He got yeah. 170 points. It was easily the lowest of all time. We There's did, no we did not him. look, and we just did not need to look. It is That's the true. Of all time. Several Reese is probably not far off just getting that in one one week himself. So absolutely, Ricky Mo at the moment as well. Absolutely. All right. So into our menu for tonight. For Entree, we're going to review Draft Rugby, Fantasy Rugby Round 2. The main course, we're going to preview Round 3 coming up this weekend. And for dessert, we are going to... I forgot to write it down, so I'm going to check our notes. I think we're going to look at the players um, players who have benefited or lost out uh, from second chances in 2020. So um, obviously, we're only two weeks into the Aussie conference, but uh, we're a few few more weeks into the Kiwi one. Um, yeah, so, some are subjective and uh, some are objective because we don't have a lot to work off, but it is interesting to see how many people have benefited, mainly more so than people have lost. 
Indeed, and uh, we'll get there. So, all right, but uh, let's jump in uh, for entree. This uh, round two, we had mm-hmm. the buy. Uh, the buys were the Chiefs and the Brumbies. So, um, you know, two teams where I imagine there were lots of fantasy managers had uh, some of their players, <clears throat> even given how the Chiefs are performing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there would have been lots of subs for fantasy managers. But the, the first game of the round, Friday night, I was there at Brookie. Who wants to take us through that one? I'd love to. Fantastic. First game, Rebels versus the Reds. Uh, I think everyone saw this one. The first ever super time, time game, right? So it's going to be an absolute thriller, heart stopper. Everyone really, really excited to see what happens. So I'll hold the suspense a little bit more before I give the result away. Uh, there was two tries apiece, and it was 18-all at the end of regular time. Returning in this one, you had Campbell Magne for his first run of the uh, the competition. I'm not sure that he was injured in round one, but got, he, got his first started outside centre there, pushing Reese Hodge back to the bench. He looked really, really good, by the way. He was probably one of the Rebels' best, I thought. Ran some good lines. There was one particular in and away I really liked where he got outside his man. Um, Hodge's, Hodge's issue is he's... He's not going to be the best at any position in that team. And Campbell Magne did a lot better, I think, as an outside centre. Yeah, I agree. And I think for further clarification, he, um, the, the, Hodge has a slight niggle. So managing the workload, they thought um, that since they've got both of them, get them both out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Managing workload after one game. Injuries, uh, Matt Given had a shoulder injury, looked pretty severe. Nelson, you seem to think that you saw him dislocate it and then put it back in. Oh, yeah, it was, it was hard to tell off it, especially after a few beers, but it looked like he was holding it like it was it was out and then he tried to pop it in himself. Yeah, so that's obviously going to be something that could potentially hold him out for a while, but we haven't got details there yet. And Corabetti, um, he basically got coat hanged WWE style by Hunter Paisami, who hunted down Corabetti. And yeah, that, that was pretty the, brutal. And the pun had to be done. Worse than a yellow, I think. Yeah. Hmm. So basically, this, this was, I've spent so long on the setup because I don't need that long for the actual game. Basically, it was really, really grim. <laughs> the skills were atrocious. I would say one of the worst games in terms of skills that I've seen in a long, long time. The attacking endeavor was really good. Like they both actually genuinely had a crack, but the Aussie teams are still probably a little bit too rusty to throw the ball around like they wanted to in the conditions. Uh, so to be honest, it just did not make for very good viewing. Um, I seriously thought about shooting myself at one point. Um, <laughs> wow. It was a highlight, though, guys. 79th minute, James O'Connor set off a, uh, a big change in the game when he threw an offload around to CFS, uh, who then broke down the left side, threw it back in for Murphy, who came on uh, in late or midway through the second half, who then scored to, uh, to tie the game up at 18-all, as I said, to force super time. And... I loved scrolling Twitter through this game at the at rugby underscore podcast or the rugby report for those that listen to their podcast said, fuck yes, if any game needs more minutes, it's this skill fest in the wet. How good. <laughs> Perfect summary. I'm surprised Rugby Australia didn't, uh, you know, highlight that, <laughs> pin that tweet up on their, um, their page. But... That, that summarised the game for me. I, I wanted to point out, I think, they're, yeah, 79th minute try to the Reds. Uh, the Rebels had the ball. There's one minute left. They're about, they're almost at halfway. And what did, what did they decide to do? Kick it. Tamua kicked it down the other end. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> Rugby 101. Tamua yeah, did not kick all match either. Look, the, the other thing was the set piece was insane. They were both so bad. There was 11 or 10 lost lineouts between the two sides. I've never seen a worse game of lineouts ever. Mm. 
by the 20th minute, the Rebels had given up on the scrum and the line-out, and they were literally tapping and going from 22 out just to try and have a crack. Like, it, they, they wouldn't take a single set piece. And then I think it was uh, late in the game, one of the, one of the last five or ten minutes, the, the Reds did the exact same thing. They just didn't back themselves to actually kick a line-out anymore. So they just literally tapped and went, and it just made no sense. It was, it was horrendous to watch, to be honest. Um, Look, super time, and I don't know who wrote this, but it's but it's spot on. Super flop, I think, is the uh, the catchphrase for this one. Well done, Nels. The takeaway for me is the ref was really too nervous to make a call. There was some obvious, obvious penalties in the first few plays that he just did not want to blow, and then neither team wanted to actually play with it. Twenty five kicks in eleven minutes, one every twenty nine seconds. Can I just horrendous, and it still ended in a draw. Yeah, I pointed out to you, Harry, that it was 25 kicks and you went, oh, that's not that bad, thinking it was the entire match. <laughs> it was it was more than one every 30 seconds in the extra time. It did. It looked like a high school game of forcings back. That's what I said when we were at the game. It was a bit they need, um, embarrassing. They yeah. need to fix that, that rule because there's just something that's not working there. Just, it's oh, not like Lee where you can take hit-ups. That's not it, guys. It's the, the possession and the, the execution that was bad. I, I don't think that's a good... Good, uh, it was kicks every 30 seconds. For instance, for the match stats, the Reds had 15 handling errors, five line-out losses on their own throws, and nine penalties conceded. They had 29 turnovers of possession. That was the problem. That's why there was so much kicking. The possession yeah. was Rebels' first half, Reds' second half. I don't want to go through the game stats because it was all atrocious, but <laughs> shout-out to the Reds for 13 offloads. Um, and only 25 penalties in the game, which is pretty good to see. So that was kind of coming on the way down and probably the most penalties, I think, for the game for the games on the weekend, so a lot better. And then uh, Lukan Salakai Loto was our fantasy man of the match with 63 points, three tackle busts, a line break, an offload, and 11 tackles. Huge game from him. And uh, the Reds had Harry Wilson also with 57 points. I think he made 19 runs. CFS had 47 points in 14 minutes. Liam Wright, 45 points. And for the Rebels, Pony Fa'amasawili had uh, 51 points and was just terrorising the team, other team. It was awesome. I was going to say, that was my game's highlight. That was the only saving grace was uh, both Pony just absolutely giving it to people. There was this one third metre um, run-up he got for a hit-up on a kickback. It looked very oh, rugby so league good. and it was incredible. And and then he also absolutely levelled Bryce Hegarty. <laughs> oh, it was great. Um, that and Taniela Tubo played the full 91 minutes. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, let's move on, boys. We spent too long talking about that game. Indeed. <laughs> Our, uh, well, what are we trying to do? Three minutes a game? We're, uh, we're not, I think we're failing. But um, I don't think this is helping. Alas, let's continue. So the second game, is this, was this the good one? Uh, yeah, no, this was the good one of the round. We had uh, the Crusaders taking on the Blues, the game we're all waiting for. And uh, I think we all tipped the Crusaders in the end, despite how good the uh, Blues have been. And we were right to do so. The Crusaders taking it home 26-15, two tries apiece. Uh, returning in this one, Big Carl. Um, he came off the bench. Um, come back from a hamstring. Blake Gibson returned from the bench. He had a head knock in round one and a hammy, hammy uh, niggle or whatnot. Yeah, he had both of them, yeah. Uh, injuries, James Parsons, HIA failed in the 26th minute, which saw Kurt Eklund come off the bench. Um, he played out of his skin. Who did? I thought he, I, he had a ripper game, uh, Kurt. So, yeah, this one, um, first 20 minutes, all the blues. It was uh, it was very exciting to watch. 7-0 after a great try to Mark Talaya, um early on. That was fantastic. And uh looked like it was going to uh, 
live up to, to the hype. Um, the second 20, the Crusaders kind of just work their way back to the game as they always do. doesn't matter how, how well you start a game, how much you blow the other team off the park. The Crusaders just have this, I don't know, they just stay in every game. They have this overwhelming calm yeah. and they just know that they're going to play a full 80 minutes and that the Blues won't. That's, and that's what we said would be the, the problem. But um, in this like- one, half, uh, at halftime, uh, it was 6-7 to the Blues. So the Crusaders just accumulated some points, brought it back mm-hmm. within, um, didn't get one of those just before halftime tries, which uh, was um, uh, good for the Blues. Um, in the second half, turning point uh, was that um, Braden Enor charging down a conversion. Um, don't know. And that was on the back of some dodgy calls. I think they were, the Blues were very luck, lucky to score a couple of uh, contentious calls that all favoured the Blues and ended in Rico scoring a good try himself. But Braden Enor immediately on the attack charged it down and, man, the game changed. It's true. Um, it's the little things, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I feel like he was kicking that really close as well. It's like definitely take it further there back. Was, he was like 15 out or something, you know? Yeah, there was there was one later in the game that oh, I can't remember who was kicking. It was like, I think it was one of the Crusaders kicking. I, I mean, Moana, obviously, but he was like five metres out directly in front as well. And they didn't even bother coming up to him to try and charge him down. Mm. Yeah, it, it shows a difference in intense or just full concentration yeah. for the full 80, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, speaking of Richie kicking, how about uh, late in the game that um, that little kickoff where he just ganked oh. it ten? Just caught him napping. Um, that, was and just, after. that was straight after the charge down. Oh, was that straight after? Sorry, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah that, that was, was so good. Well, that's right there. Those two things combined, that's the momentum swing for you. Uh, I've mm-hmm. forgotten that was straight away. So, uh, in terms of the match stats, Crusaders did ended up with sixty percent of uh, territory and possession. Um, meters 250 to 201 so not a lot in it uh, that's the general trend so 25 to 21 tackle bus line breaks the blues had seven to four and um, tackle success uh, was 80 percent for the well, 79 percent for the crusaders 83 for the blues penalties though were telling six to the crusaders uh, and 12 to the blues uh, fantasy uh, in terms of fantasy here richie mawanga continues to impress second week over 60 points um, six, 65 points for him, 12 runs for 62 metres, eight tackle busts, a line break, an offload, try assist, and six from six kicks. Absolutely nailed it. And Cody Taylor also uh, delivered again another performance close to 50 points, 48. Um, the Blues, no one really to report, no one got over 40, so um, didn't bother reporting it for them. But um, yeah, it would have been would have been nice if if to see if the Blues could continue their momentum into the second half, um, but wasn't to be. Look, yeah, just, um, I think you've done us a real disservice here, Kagi. We just spent longer talking about that terrible Aussie game than this one. One thing, as, as a jaded Australian fan, the Blues haven't beaten the Crusaders since 2004, 16. Yeah, that's in Canterbury. In, in Christchurch. In Christchurch, yeah. They haven't oh. won at Crusaders' home ground since 2004. Not, I, not, not have beaten them. I actually agree with Harry. I wouldn't be surprised if they just hadn't beaten them ever since 2004. But 2004. No. I'll look it up. But look, he's, my he's point was going to be, as the jaded uh, Super Rugby fan in Australia, and the article's going around right now, surely that means we the, they can't sustain five teams and they need to cut the Blues from the competition. Yeah, oh, I feel like we're, we're opening a whole new kettle of fish here. Uh, <laughs> we might we might see if we have time for dessert and that I might put the uh, the, the hammer down and we'll move on. I think. Um, <laughs> any more any more any more takeaways from this game? Uh, who was who was 
who was the player of the match for, for yours? Oh, Richie May. Yeah, right, Richie May for sure. He's down, he's amazing. All right. Well, I was going to say any other standouts, but no, look, alas, let's move on. That was a great game. Crusaders are going to uh, go seven from seven. I think we could all uh, agree. If the Blues weren't able to take them this week, I don't think anyone is going to stop. Boys, I have found the last time the Blues won, 2014. So 10 years shy of what Harry was saying. So they, they beat the Crusaders in 2014? Uh, yeah, in Auckland. Okay. They haven't won in Christchurch since 2014. Still six years. That's a good amount of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, it's, it's actually so, similar. It's got to be similar to the last time that you did well in fantasy footy. You know, around <laughs> Apologies to the Auckland fans, then, guys. Do you pick a lot of Blues players? Is it does it correlate? Is there a trend there or something? Or I don't know. Chuggy, you've had one good year, mate. You're a flop. Um, you say so, so, table, mate. Come on, let's move yeah, on. Can't talk yeah, to you that, mate. You're doing quite well these two weeks. All right. <laughs> so this was this was a. Absolute thriller, not really at all though. Waratahs 24 to the Force 14. I was with Kiwis watching this match and they said surprisingly they thought it was a good game, but it's mainly because we were drinking and playing darts and only occasionally looking at the TV. In terms of the returns column, Carmichael Hunt returned uh, and he actually had a bit of an impact. There was no new injuries that I know of in this match. Uh, the Western Force really started, I think, as the strongest side. First 15 minutes, controlled the tempo. There was nothing too flashy, but they, they worked their way into a 14-0 lead. Um, very impressive, uh, I thought. Just an impressive Sorry? start. Very impressive was, start, I thought. They had good intent and they had good control. It was just nothing too flashy. I don't think Pryor and Lance really controlled the game quite well. Two experienced uh, playmakers. Um, but there was just... There wasn't a, a killer blow to a lot of their things, a lot of their plays um, that I think, you know, they, they probably could have capitalised more because they did look like, I mean, they had all the possession, they had all the territory in that first in 15 minutes. The world doesn't even touch the ball. But, I mean, taking 14 points out of it, you, you can't really complain. Mm. Then just before halftime, the Tars decided they wanted to get involved in the game um, and scored a try. So they went into the break 14-7 down. Uh, the second half was all the Waratahs. The Force didn't seem like they could maintain uh, what they did early on in that that match. All the talk about them was that they were going to be the most drilled, the fittest team in, in the Aussie comp because they were coming from rapid rugby, which was quick and fast-paced. And that's what all the Force fans and, and supporters were sort of thinking about. But it really didn't show. They, they didn't really uh, impart themselves in that second half at all. Kyle Michael Hunt, when he came on, uh, he kicked a few 50-22s, which were a massive impact on the game and, and really turned that in favour of the Waratahs. Turns out, though, that one of the big ones was uh, a 22-50, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, but you have to have the breakdown prior in your own 22 before you can kick it out and, and bounce out. And that hadn't happened. So the Waratahs... So it was taken were, back then? It was. It's. It diff, I think it's slightly different to take him back. I think right. it's like a whole extra phase. I'm not exactly right. sure how it works. Right. Um, but the the ref actually called Twee for no called um, the the cap the coach Tim Sampson and said I'm sorry that was the wrong call. So there's still a little bit of confusion around the 50-22 things like that. Um, but good on Carl Hunt still giving it a crack and getting away with it. Um, yeah. but I think I think we've all we can all agree. I think we've all said we've enjoyed it though. Just just what it does in terms of opening up the field, forcing those oh, wingers back. That I think the more just, it's such a huge momentum swing as well. Like yeah. it really just changes the game every time. 
I think the more we see it and the more it's there, the better it's going to look as well because teams are going to have to... I mean, if Carmichael Hunt's starting next week and the Brumbies aren't considering dropping wingers back to make sure they're covering it, first of all, that'll be really, really dumb. But second of all, the, the Tars would get a, a massive benefit from it. So hopefully they drop back and then the Tars can actually have a little bit more space um, to, to attack that defensive line. It definitely looks like the back three are taking a while to adjust, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, one, one, uh, this. one question I have is, do you think that the uh, force really just aren't fit enough to hang with the Tars in the second half there? Or do you <clears> think it's a, a bit of a, I guess it's just a step up in t- intensity and they weren't quite good enough? Because I think that is probably the really important delineation to, be, to oh, make. I think a little from column A, a little from column B, to be, to be fair. I mean, if you can come out and have that passion and, and have complete control early on in that game, no matter what, if the, the Tars were pretty average at the start, but they didn't have the opportunity to touch the ball. The force came out in that first 15 minutes and showed that they can control the game if they need to, but they couldn't do that for, the, for a whole match. Yeah. So you have no commitment then. No, you're not going to go either way. <laughs> no, I said I, I think the fitness plays plays a role. I mean, the, all the talk about them being the most fit team definitely was not true. Pryor did come out after in his post game interview and said, "Yeah, we definitely it's, it had nothing to do with fitness." Yeah. No, I, I have to say, look, I'll put my foot down. I'll say I think it's a bit of a step up. Um, I think the I'm the force. <laughs> I think the force had some. Um, they had some really big forwards. You know what I mean? Like it really. Was notice they were noticeably bigger their back row than, than the Waratahs. No, well, yeah. I mean, look, I was going to say oh. definitely some fitness issues in their front rowers, mate. Longbottom and um, I forget the other one, but they both had some bloody what, big guts on them. What about Thrush as well? Yeah, th- my Thrush actually looked good. I thought I was, I was surprised. Old thirty-five year old Thrush. He was involved a fair bit, but, but yeah. But I just mean their their back row is like Stowers, um, Stander. I mean, St- how good was Stander? Paris. He was unreal. Yeah. I thought. Um, he could be one certainly to to pick up the fantasy. In, uh, I think there's a there's a bunch of players there that I mean, if you threw them in in better sides, could be real quality players and real quality fantasy players. So hopefully we see them develop a little bit more. But I, I just don't think they could stay in the game. But look, I think the the stats were the most telling for this. The the force had 56 possession, 59 territory in the first half, and then the Tars flipped it on their head, 48 possession and 78 territory in the second half. The main things here were the, just the tackles. I was going to say 68, 68, 68, 68 possession, not 48 possession in the second half. 68, sorry. Um, The tackle success was woeful by the force. And that was one of the most telling stats. They missed 30 tackles. So they had 79%, whereas the Tars missed 11 and had 91% success. The Tars made 30 tackle busts to 11. The line breaks were 9 to 3. The lineouts were also something that was a big step down for the force because they only got 10 of 15, whereas the Tars got 15 of 16. Um, another 22 penalties in this match, so not bad. Someone who stood out for me, fantasy man of the match was James Ram. He got 60 points, eight runs for 83 metres, six tackle busts, three line breaks, three offloads. And a uh, huge the Warriors... boot. Sorry? And a huge boot. Yeah, yeah, huge boot he doesn't get points for. Unfortunately, he's in my side. Michael Hooper got 57 points. Angus Bell, one of mine, 53 points. Lock and Swinton, 51 points. I think he's a class player. He just needs to make less penalties, which showed this week. In the force, they had no one over 45 points. Great game from Hooper as well this this week. Yep, hard work, hard at work. Yeah, I think um, uh, apart from uh, James Rams's boot, honestly, those 60-meter touch finders, they're incredibly valuable. 
the force really benefited um, from Nick Nick Joost. The Joost. Joost. Um, he, uh, he also similarly has that absolute cannon on him. Um, and I think, uh, you know, when Godwin came back on off the bench, obviously, returning from not many uh, minutes in training. But uh, if Godwin's back starting next week. Obviously, I'm spoiling the preview here. Um, they're going to miss that massive kick. From, um, Depends what their centre pairing is, but let's let's talk about that later on. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, takes. Let's go on to the next one. We had the Hurricanes and the Highlanders um, in windy Wellington, and it did prove very windy. Um, Harry, do you want to take us through this one? Yeah, I thought this was going to be a really hard one to call. Um, probably wasn't as close as I thought for the majority of the game. Hurricanes obviously got up. 17 to 11 in the end, three tries to one. And they were probably a little bit more dominant for the majority of the game than I thought it was. Really, really awesome start to this game um, with, first of all, Mitch Hunt going through the line and then oh. Smith away. And I think Nelson just about spilt his beer and popped open a bottle of champagne in celebration having, a, having Mitch Hunt in his team, but then called back for a very minor but fair... Obstruction. Uh, by the book, but really did not touch anything in the play. Yeah, how, many time, how many times did Nelson make you replay that just to um, you know, cover it from all angles? Fox did a lot. And then on yeah. the back of that, um, you know, this, the swing of momentum was massive because next minute there was a penalty in a five-metre scrum or a 15-metre scr- uh, line-out, sorry, uh, for the Hurricanes. And off the back of that long phase play, you had Fletcher Smith stepping out and hitting Lamar in an unders line for an obstruction as well. And, uh, it was it was kind of two tries, two disallowed, and it, it, and it was just two teams having a real crack at each other. Um, from that point, though, I think uh, the the Hurricanes kind of took control and uh, got up about twelve nil. I think it was at halftime. Yeah, he had an injury to Dylan Hunt. I think it's somewhere in the second half. There, he got poked in the eye by his own team. All the injuries, friendly fire this week, but he looked in a bad way. It looked like he really, really hammered his eye. Um, and then shortly after half time, um, Flanders scored to make it seventeen nil. I can't, I can't believe I actually skipped over TJ Perinaris. I was, was going to pull you oh, up. Yeah. I'd, I'd bring that up, mate. For good. Sure. How, how oh, good was it? So take a step, throw a dummy, Aaron Smith, buy it, and then he just steps and ran through. And the weirdest thing was, as he put the ball down to go ahead in the game, he was shaking his head like that was ridiculous. Like, how yeah. did that happen? They, they were going at each other all game. That was actually one, the, probably the one of the best narratives of that game. I thought was just TJ and Aaron going at each other. Um, there is there was a few things. Aaron Smith dove as TJ Perinara went to pass the ball and just took the ball out of his arms. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. He hadn't passed it yet. He dove and took the ball out of his arms. It was great. It was really a scrum half masterclass there. But yeah, no, that, yeah. that dummy from TJ that was. Brilliant. So, that no, was very Speaking good. Speaking of scrum halves, TJ Perinara also plays at fly half now. Yeah. So, he can do it all, mate. I think, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that from a game point of view. I know Jamie Booth is too good to leave on the bench. And uh, you, you, they're thinking that obviously TJ Perinara is too good to take off the field and they're a bit unsure about their tens. But I'm not sure that putting him at fly half is the answer, to be honest, either. I think, if anything, it's just going to crush the, uh, the spirits of Garden Bashup and Fletcher Smith, who are now being taken off the field for a halfback. But um, gold for fantasy, and obviously it worked because he was, to spoiler alert, you know, the, the fantasy man of the week with 68 points. To go into his stats while I'm here, he had 12 runs a try, a couple of tackle bars, three line breaks, four offloads, and 90 passes. 
So I'm pretty sure that means in the last 10 minutes, he was passing to himself from nine to 10 and then again, <laughs> 10 to 12. So just mammoth, just three points for him. Um, the game fell away a little bit in the back end of the, in that, that second half until maybe the last five when the, uh, the Highland just kind of put in a bit of a late ditch effort and it kind of brought a little bit of excitement back into the game. But I've got to say, I was a little bit disappointed with the second half intensity. Um, and look, just shout out to Mitch Hunt, who I think has been growing into this season. I was completely unconvinced by him at the start of the year, but I thought this was his best game yet. Unluckily for him, two of his best plays got called back for penalties later. Yeah. But he also, I mean, awesome he just picked his time so well. Like, we were talking about, he's, he's a poor man's Moong and the fact that he's playing flat and he can slot through that line just absolutely brilliantly at the right time. When, and when he seems to put his head down to do it, he gets through. He just doesn't do it as much normally as, as other 10s in the, in the comp. But it really seemed like he did it a few extra times this week. They just did get called back. Yeah. I think we also didn't, didn't recognise enough his... Um, his turn of speed, like his turn of pace, just like when he when he steps, he then bolts off, like uh, mm. you know, as quick as anyone, I think. But, um... Everything. Oh my god. No. Uh, anyway, <laughs> dominant in possession and territory, sixty three and sixty seven percent, respectively, and even more so in the second half. The tackle bust, thirty one to twenty line breaks, twenty to nine. So huge. 20 line breaks from the Hurricanes against a team that's notoriously good in defense. 17 offloads to six for them as well. Um, then the kick success was pretty atrocious on both sides. 33% for the Hurricanes, 50% for the Highlanders. And the tackle success, I've got to say, 77%, 68 from 88 for the Hurricanes is woeful. And Highlanders, 84%, but they missed 31 tackles as well. So really average, but they did make... 195 attempts compared to 88. So I think that shows the uh, the weight of possession that the Highlanders did have. Quick shout-out as well to Nani Lamarpe on 66 points. Big game from him. Asafa Amur, 56 points, continues to kill it. But oh, he's good. Best game, most complete game yet. Mm. Tyrell Omax and Kobus Van Vico refused to call him Jacobus. Uh, 53 <laughs> points for him. Artie Sevilla, 49. And Flanders, 47 points as well. Um, so huge points all around in this one. Highlanders, Aaron Smith, 59. Michele Tu'u, 48. Nareki, 46, despite a few mistakes. And Tokali, 45. Excellent. Yeah. And yeah, no, I think, um, do, do you reckon the, the Hurricanes lose anything with Dane Coles off and Amua in? Like, if Amua was playing like that, I don't think they lost anything, to be honest with you. I don't know how the line-out throwing was. But, I was going to um, say, just a line-out throw, basically. That's it. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, that uh, concludes our entree and takes us on to our main course. So in Fantasy Super Rugby, Draft Rugby, Fantasy Super Rugby round three, uh, the buys this week are the Rebels and the Crusaders. So um, I made a little idea, should we even bother watching since the Crusaders and Richie Moe aren't playing? But um, alas, I think we will. You're screwed this week, man. I wish I was playing you. No. no. Am I? Uh, yeah. I'm playing <laughs> Nelson, yeah. Oh, is it the Battle of the Dales? Mm, it is. Yeah, good. Well, uh, well you can look forward to listening to a half an hour about that at the start of the podcast next week. Um, fantastic. All right. So first fixture this week coming up, we have the Reds taking on the Force, um, I'm assuming in Queensland, uh, on Friday night. And um, what do we think What do we think is going to happen here? I, I think the first point I'll start with is that uh, I, I can't see the Reds changing anything. I think last week we said... Um, 
that it was the first time the Reds had named an unchanged lineup in something like a couple of years. It's like yeah, 2016 it or something. Um, and I can't really see them changing much into round three. Um, so, Craig, yeah. Is it too early to call the force the Sun Force? I think we'd be disrespecting the Sun Wolves with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you know what? Maybe we should carry on that tradition of um, of the bum oh, team yeah. being called the Sun something, just to pay pay homage to the, homage, uh, yeah. the Sun Wolves. But um, no, all right. Who wants to jump in and um, and talk Reds Red Sun Force? I thought you'd done it, but I'll happily do it, mate. Look, Harry Wilson really got involved in attack uh, last week, and it shows the difference. The the Tars in round one against them. They, they just sit their back rowers, swinting on him to shut him down. And that's really going to be something the force need to do here, target him with line speed and not let him get it, get that advantage and, and be on the run when he's hitting that ball. The whole back row, though, for the Reds is, is just, they're going to dictate a lot of this match as well. Liam Wright, he didn't do anything too flashy this week, but he's just got such a good work rate. He stole a few line outs, made 14 out of 14 tackles. Um, you throw him in with uh, Mick Wright as well. It's going to be very tough for the Sun Force back row to try and contain these three guys because they could just absolutely wreak havoc in this match, is, is what I'm predicting. Uh, for me personally, we were talking about it a little bit before, Chris Fowai-Seltia, he had a great impact off the bench. He has been good when had, having a chance earlier on, earlier on this year and in, in previous years. He is a very good player. Um, we could potentially see him slot into the starting spot. I don't think we necessarily will, especially, oh, I suppose if there's a week to do it, it is probably this week, um, which means we might see Paisami shift into 12 and CFS come on to 13. Surely, surely that's a long-term plan when Geordie Patea comes back anyway for Hunter to play there. So that's I mean, true. That's, yeah, that's a good point true. I didn't consider. I mean, I know they love Hamish Stewart, just the the stock standard. Um, he and he's been very good, I think. Yeah, but he's he's been good. He made. He's good in, in defence. That's it. Hey, he's been a solid twelve. I I refute what you just said. Um, look, I, I think it's going to be back. They 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 go nowhere in attack because of him. It's all on James O'Connor. Has, is Paisami's preferred position 12 or 13? Do we know that? I mean, like, obviously he's young. They can train him up in either. But, um, I, I don't know what his preferred is, but he's mainly been 13. True. But I think it's, the point is it's, it's going to be a tough battle anyway. When Bataille comes, Bataille comes back, where, where can CFS fit in? Because uh, Yeah. But, uh, the, the tough thing for them is Dalgoon, who's been playing really, really well since his return. Um, so it, it's going to be... They sorry? Dalgunu. He's on a long-term contract. See, uh, Chris Fowler-Satia has been in the Wallabies. He's played well when given an opportunity. Next year, he's going to have even more competition um, if they still have Suwilasi Vunavalu. He signed a two-year contract. So Yeah, so if he comes in, he's an absolute massive threat and he could be a real, real quality winger for them. So uh, is it time for Chris Fowler-Satia to look somewhere else? I'd happily have him at the Tars. And it's true. And I was just going to say, and we haven't touched on, obviously, the other winger who's holding out his spot is Jock Campbell, who um, they're huge fans of. Um, yeah, he was brilliant earlier on in the year. Um, and he's, he's still not been too shabby, but not, not to his stand at the start of the year, I think. But he, he's definitely earned himself some more time. Yeah, for, for my... <clears throat> I was going to say, for my, I'd like to see Jock Campbell at fullback. Um, okay. And then we can stick CFS on the wing. But um, 
Uh, there's a lot of fans of Bryce Hegarty, though. So. Well, we're going to try to get to 12 and have Hegarty at 10. Yeah, you could do that. I was going to say, though, now that Hegarty's not kicking his goals, you know, James O'Connor's taking a lot of that responsibility on. So, But by that, you mean he's dead to you now at your fantasy team? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's what he offered. Um, look, God, Godwin's probably going to come into the starting side. Craig's was talking about him maybe filling Nick Eust's spot. Um, and, and therefore they would lose their kicking game. The thing though, what happened was he did not sub for Nick Eust. He subbed on for Marcel Bracky. Uh, subbed on for uh, Brad Lacey. Marcel Bracky moved to the wing. So I think John right. Lance was actually playing outside centre, which is where he's been playing most of his time in recent Carl years. Carl Goldwyn, you meant sorry. Yeah. Carl Goldwyn yeah. has uh, shifted into outside centre, which is where he's been playing a lot of his time. Um, I know I've chatted to Harry about it before Harry sees him as a 12. I think he can fill that 13 slot. He's quite a hard runner and a solid defender. He's a, a chunky fellow. I think he, he can fill that role quite well for them. That means they're kick, keeping their kicking options, which is going to be quite strong in this uh, Super Rugby AU. So mm-hmm. I see him coming in at 13 and Marcel Bracky probably pushing to the wing. I think I like that. So, Speaking of big unit centres, how giant does Henry Tarfu look? I know, right? He came on. I was like, who's the number eight that's come on? Yeah. Do you, I, do you I, remember I, him for the Reds? He was, he was tiny compared yeah, to him. And Afro adds like 15 kilos. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I was actually a very big fan of him in the NRC a few years ago before he, I think he went and played for... Rams. Oh? Oh? Nah, um, so, yeah. He, he's, he's a great player, so I, I think he could be a starting role for them, but I just don't know how you fit these these guys together unless you then have Godwin go to 12 and Taufel go to 13. That's what you do, mate. You sack the rest of the bums in that team and put those two yeah. in. Yeah. Um, people, <laughs> that did stand, yeah, people that did stand up for the force, uh, we touched on a few of them earlier, but Stander, he had a, a real solid game, the South African who's been there for quite a while. Jack McGregor, I think he's a real talent there at 15. Pryor, he's, he's, Harry, I'm sure, put this one in because he's kicking goals. Um, it was I me, actually. I, I picked him up for that. Yeah. No, he, he, has, uh, he had good control early on in the game, but I, I think he did sort of fade away a fair bit. But he is not a bad player. He's just a fantasy player, I think, is probably Kagi's point. Any nine that can play 10 and kick goals as well, I, that's that's bankable points there. If the force are actually putting some points on the board and being competitive, that's a yeah. good score. That you well, he, his issue is the force aren't competitive, so he's not going to be kicking many goals. No, no, he doesn't, doesn't beat defenders. He doesn't break the line. No, well, he has pretty average defence. He had one from four, three from four. Yeah, no, my, my point is that, look, he got he got 20 points without really doing anything this game, mainly because he kicked a few goals. And so if you can get a halfback there who can get away with 20 points without doing anything, then the day he does do something, he'll get, get you a score. That's fair. He did worse the worst team, but that's fair. Um, Henry Stowers, <laughs> he also worked quite hard. Tevin Ferris wasn't bad as well. Um, it's, we don't have it written down here. I was, I was relatively impressed by the work rate of Fergus Lee Warner as well. He was quite a quality second rower for them. Um, we didn't get so, to see it. Oh, sorry? I was going to say, we talked about him before. So he's one of these um, back rowers come lock. Um, yep. Very, very uh, agile, athletic. So um, he's fantastic. Yeah. So look, there's a few guys there that could do well. Um, the red scrum should absolutely dominate the old man of Kieran Longbottom <laughs> and Greg Holmes, who may well bring diapers to this match because it's going to be tough for them. Look, um, I, I don't completely agree. I reckon Greg Holmes is an excellent scrummager. My he point is. 
My point was more, he was always excellent when he was at the Reds. My point just is so old. Start him. They need yeah. someone that can actually hold them together. True. He, Surely, he is, he's 37. Mate, Surely he's like the doctor over in South Africa <laughs> from playing. He's 38, isn't he? Surely it was the case of, um, you know, he hadn't had much time in the saddle. Like, cause he was a late yeah, sign. I think it has to be. Yeah. I think if you're not starting him, you're, you're just ridiculous. Uh, but look, I, I can't see the Reds starting as poorly as the Tars did. The fourth of World Drill early, but they couldn't continue it through the whole match. Uh, I, I think they're going to really have trouble in this one. The Reds are just going to be, I think, too intense for them. And the Reds are going to really run away with this. How do you boys see it? Bang on. Yeah, in Queensland, I, I reckon it's going to be 20 points, 25 points. I, yeah. I, could, I'm gonna, I was going to go three converted tries, 21 points. Yeah, I was 20 plus. I was on there. So I, just, I think yeah. we're all in. All in. Cool. Hurricanes Blues. Agreement. Very good. All right. Well, taking us. Yep. Do you want to take that one? I would love to. Um, look, so over returning, the Blues have got a pretty solid pack at the moment without many changes, I think. I, I don't think that they're going to change their back row, which is the only place that they could make changes. On the other hand, the Hurricanes have a few guys that may be back, uh, but nothing has been confirmed. So uh, tread carefully if you're going to actually play fantasy footy and, and make early trades. Gareth Evans was apparently under a, only a minor ankle injury. Reed Princep, a minor hammy strain. Fraser Armstrong, a minor knee injury, but it looked pretty sore when he came off the field. That was one that we did see. And Dane Coles, they said a minor calf injury. But uh, these, that calf all, these, all these minors should be playing for the Western Force, Harry, Western Australia. Twenty fours would love them. Yeah, spins, spins, spins. Uh, they might be more competitive uh, next year. They might be, mate. When the the Kiwis are playing in the ten man Super Rugby comp with the five Aussie teams, you just fill the Western Force with Kiwis for sure. They all live over there anyway. Well, if, if Twiggy keeps paying the salaries, mate, some of them, some of them will come surely. Yeah, it's true. Dane Coles, uh, this minor calf injury is the same calf apparently that kept him out of a lot of last season and, and I think maybe even some of the year before. But apparently there was an article saying, and I, and I do remember this in hindsight now, that he was even considering ending his career because of it. So, I mean, a minor calf niggle in that calf, I think everyone's going to be stressing out over in Wellington that, uh, that it's not going to settle like they expect it to. It's going to calf implant, mate, surely. Obviously, yeah. Um, look, so I, I think the Blues are not likely to change very much. They've been in a good place. The one obvious one I think we all agree on is Harry Plummer was relatively impressive at 12. I was pretty happy with what he did. But TJ Fayani maybe needed a rest, but he's been excellent. You, you've got to start him. I think he plays a lot straighter than Harry Plummer does. I think the defence is not much different between the two of them. I think they're both pretty solid. <clears throat> I think Harry, I think TJ Fane is a much bigger threat with the ball than Plummer is, and they both have the the ability to distribute and put a short kick in as well. And if anything, I think TJ Fane's short kicking game has been excellent, excellent at the twelve jersey as well. I think that he plays a similar role to what we said Simone's been trying to do at the Brumbies for for earlier on in this year. I think someone like Caleb Clark's going to benefit more from someone who can actually straighten, suck some defenders in, and can also throw that ball, whereas Plummer didn't really keep the defence honest. I agree. And Sorry, go on, Craigs. I was going to say, I think, yeah, pretty bang on. I think Plummer... Plummer, to me, still is a 10 first, 12 second, which means that he thinks about passing the ball instead of taking that first step forward, whereas TJ, yeah. it's straight first step forwards, which is a big difference. Yeah. Uh, other players, I thought. I thought Terra Black had probably his most quiet game. Maybe that's unfair for the Blues against the Crusaders. And 
I don't know what you guys thought, but to me, it looked a lot like Bodie Barrett put his hand up to try and take control a lot more uh, on the weekend against the Crusaders. He kind of went, yeah, this is a big game. It's time for me to, to play a lot more first receiver. Um, so Black just kind of got shunted out of the line. Did you well, see it uh, that way or not? Black, Black set up two tries. He had the two try assists in this one, uh, which were both the tries for the Blues. I, I just don't think, as you said, he didn't seem to impart himself as much with Bodie sort of taking over a bit of that role for, for chunks of time. Yeah, I think he was just starstruck seeing Richie Moanga standing across from him on the field. Um, <laughs> I don't blame him. But, uh, yeah, fair. I do know that long ball to Talaya for that first try was very good from Black. If Bowden does go into 10, um, who will we have at 15? I think, obviously, Perra franchises out for the season. But um, it's only really Duffy's the only real option at fullback, isn't it? Don't give a guy a chance. I don't know, mate. I don't know. I don't think that's the problem. Well, I just feel like if they had a really good 15 option, like we're going to get to in the, the Hurricanes game, um, you know, they, they would consider sticking Bodie straight in there. But um, anyway. There's got to be someone else. I don't know. Let me think about it. <laughs> um, look, you, you already mentioned if Dane Cole stays out with that minor niggle, Asafa Amua is excellent and playing the house down. He's just got to get his line out throwing right. Um, Nelson, you know, your boy, Wes Huston. Huston, sorry. Um, My boy. Is he ever going to get a run again over Kovas Van Vyck, who seems to be the, the Waratahs' new... Sorry, the Hurricanes' new uh, favourite child? I, I think um, they did share a lot of time with a few of them both getting starts early on in the year. But Van Vyck's just... He's finishing well. He's a good, stable winger. He's doing what you'd expect of him there. Um, yeah. So it's going to be tough for Houston. And who, who's going to be the... Uh, look, I've got four options for you for 10 for the Hurricanes. you got Fletcher Smith. <laughs> Hold on. Before... Before that, I was just going to say, I think Houston must be spitting chips, though. You know what I mean? They, but all the finishing that Cobus has been doing has been, uh, you know, that hasn't been anything particularly special for mine. Like, nothing that Houston couldn't do himself. First um, and I think everyone's forgetting he went from villain, he's gone from villain to hero, man. You remember that, the first yeah. game where he threw the ball back in, you know, oh, stupid yeah. try, things like that? So. Yeah. Look, uh, we'll keep pushing on because this is I'm dragging out as I always do at the moment. Uh, at the Tengers, you've got Fletcher Smith and Garden Basher, who I think no one's really happy with. TJ Perinara seems to be the, uh, the smoky for the jersey and just like Jamie Berth at nine. But, I mean, what I think the three of us can all agree on is surely they just put Geordie Barrett to 10 and give Chase Tietier the 15 jersey. I've said it every he's, he's an All Blacks 10, mate. Just put him yeah. there. Make it happen. And as oh. if he doesn't want to as well. I mean, I guess the only reason he wouldn't want to is because he wants to, he wants to continue playing in the All Blacks, which he's not going to play 10 in the All Blacks. So, he's not going to 15 in the All Blacks either. Yeah, well, it's, like it's a good point. 15, to be honest. To be fair, yeah, he's, he, it doesn't actually matter where he plays in Super Rugby. He's going to make the All Blacks and they'll just put him anywhere or he'll be the bench lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah he, he'll, he'll be a backup for someone, but he'll be in the squad no matter what. As but if he, he doesn't want to play 10. Yeah, I think he needs to get involved as much as possible. He's been slotting in at first receiver and trying to take control of this game. He can do that best from 10. Yeah. Look, uh, a couple other quick ones. So I, I think the Hurricanes four pack is going to struggle to to keep up with the Blues, which I think is probably the reason the Blues will get up on this one. Um, Carl Tui Inokuafe got his first game back from his hammy injury, I think it was. <laughs> Uh, so it'll be good to see him. I, I hope start over Alex Hodgman, although, you know, it, it's definitely not a an, an obvious starter. I think the two of them have been competing for that jersey. And uh, lastly, Adi Sevilla, still not 100%, but looks to slowly be building. Um, what Which do you think we're sitting there in the forwards or uh, or what do you think for the result on this one? Yeah, oh, look, that, that 
back row for the Blues is is so powerful. Um, and I, without Sevilla at his best, with Carifi making still some very silly decisions, um, and a, a few other little weaknesses around that forward pack with the Canes, I, I do think that that's where the Blues' strength will be. Yeah, I think this is going to be a tight game, though. I agree. No, look, I think I think the Blues will have the run of the run of the mill with this one. Um, I don't think it'll be as, as close as Nelson's suggesting. That's just my my two cents. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the, it'll be a combination of those uh, the back rowers, but the class of those Blues outside backs. I think they'll they'll be too much for them. I reckon uh, Blues by five, unless Geordie Barrett plays ten, then I'll go Hurricanes by five. <laughs> That much of an impact, wow. Um, I'll go Blues by 10. I'll go Blues by 6. Fantastic. Excellent. All right. Well, that brings us on to the Tars and the Brumbies. So, returning in this... Oh, we need more details? What? Hmm? Oh, is that it? Yeah, your game done? We move on? We go to bed? Is that it? (laughs) happy? That is generous to the Tars. (laughs) Yeah, true. Um... No, all right. Well, look, we will we will have it. We'll quickly run through this one. Um, in terms of uh, exciting things returning, Tom Banks uh, should be returning from a foot problem. He um, it sounded like he was probably could have been there in uh, round one, but they just decided to um, look. We'll bring him back after the break. Uh, maybe Solomone Kata, a player I'm very excited about, who I've loved um, on the on the physically right wing. Or yes, um, physically, absolutely. You've, you've loved him physically. I have, I have. Um, no, and the reason I say he might be back is just because um, I had seen him on on the Brumbies Instagram page. Him at training, he looked. Um, I mean, it's hard to tell, obviously, but it looks like he was in full fitness. Um, and I can't see any world in which they prefer Andy Muirhead over Solomon Ekata on the wing. Mate, that is such a big claim. I've seen him on Instagram. He looks to be full fitness. <laughs> he looks- keep going. I love it. He looked good. He looked good. Basically, if I see someone running a training on Instagram, I'm like, he's back to full fitness, right? You know how many tears they run him at like two weeks, even if it's a six-week injury or an eight-week injury? <laughs> Look, put it this way. I guess if you saw me running at training, I'm at full fitness. So, <laughs> yeah, I just thought it's the same. Is that? And you're on par. You're on, no one will see you. par physically. No one would you see you running at training, mate. <laughs> no, that's true, actually. Harry's talking about he's planning to run 100 kilometres in July, and I said, I don't know if I've run 100 kilometres in my entire life. Um, total. So um, anyway, we'll see. Um, moving on. Uh, for the Tars, likely back Tom Robertson to um, warm that, warm the pine, warm the bench behind Angus Bell. His new role. Yeah. While his prop. They'll give Bell a rest. He needs a rest. Have not? We'll see. Um, I mean, he had a ripper last week. So um, I, I, my my money would be on Bell starting again. Tom Robertson's coming from a backer injury, which is not something that. I suppose you want to go too untested. Uh, they're definitely going to be doing a lot of com- uh, opposed stuff at training, but I think this is probably the week that Tom Robertson comes off the bench when Bell needs to do good for me against Harry, and then Bell can have a rest next week. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the last... listening. So as we said, what did Harry say? He said uh, 20-0. Uh, we said perhaps that might be giving the Tars a bit too much credit. Well, the last <laughs> round of Super Rugby 2020... The Brumbies uh, smash the Tars 47 to 14. So um, I don't think the Tars have come much further than that. But anyway, changes. Carmichael Hunt, so he came off the bench. He surely slotted straight back into starting at 12. Joe Walton had, uh, you know, had has been better, 
uh, certainly this first game, but Carmichael will be straight back in there. Brumbies, can't see much changing for them, uh, particularly in the back row. Valentini and Samu, can't see them changing. The only possibility, maybe Cusack uh, in the bench for Miller. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I thought Cusack played well. Look, I, I, they're both very good players. I, I think Cusack's been doing well, but I, I wouldn't expect this. I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, Miller get a start this week. Look, Excellent. I and got so much depth there that you've got to perform really well to actually hold down your jersey. McCaffrey's there as a vice captain as well on the bench in round one. And I think that he kind of deserves a, a jersey at number eight for a start as well. Pete Samu, not probably as good as I as he can be at times. A little bit quiet in round one. Yeah, fair. No, that's that's a good point. So we'll just have to... I mean, I, I think they'll still run with Valentini and Samu this week. But yeah, no, it's certainly something to watch. Um, and sorry, I keep saying I, I can't imagine they'll change much more. The last one is Scotty Co probably coming in for James Slipper. They just rotate two Wallabies starting loose head. So I think that's probably likely to happen. Um, for the Tars, it's pretty simple on this one. Basically, the Tars have to start really well. Um, you know, they can't have a slow start like they did against the Force because they won't come back against the Brumbies. They have to start well and they have to keep their pedal down to the gas. Um, yeah, I, can't, I don't know. What do you think? Do we think we'll see any changes to the Tars? I, I, it was the same question as last week. Will we see Jack Dempsey come in? Uh, look, I, I think we will. To be honest, I, I think we'll see Dempsey get a run to give Will Harris a start. I, uh, sorry, a rest because they're a very young team. You can't give them back-to-back-to-back starts. I think Joey Walton is probably needing a, a rest. He's had a couple of starts and, to be honest, hasn't been overly convincing. So I think uh, I think you'll see Carmichael Hunt definitely get a start there after making such a good impact. And um, also uh, Tommy Staniforth as well. I thought he had probably his best game off the bench. And Ned Hannigan is definitely not offering enough in the scrum for the Tars. So I agree. he's a big Brumbies pack. It wouldn't surprise me if Staniforth gets a start as well, just to try and shore up the set piece a little bit. I agree with all this, sadly. Fantastic. All right. And last point on this one is just the battle of the tens. Will Harrison and Noah Lalesio. It's going to be fantastic. Two young tens both possibly vying for the Wallabies jersey. I mean, I don't think it, they'll actually get the start in the Wallabies this year, but um, definitely the form 10th um, in the Australian Conference. So exciting to see how that plays out. So what do we what do we go? Obviously, Brumbies, Harry said 20. Nels, you own more than that? My gut says 25. My heart says 18, and I'll be happy with anything under 15. <laughs> um, I can't be bothered thinking, so I'm just going to back Harry. I'm going to go... Grumbies by 20 as well. Just, uh, well. I'll go 21. I'll just take one point on him. You know what I mean? going to beat the Rebels by eight, and the Rebels are pretty rubbish in that game. Sure. Fantastic. All right. Well, on to a team that has been rubbish. Uh, the next fixture, the Chiefs and the Highlanders. Will we see the Chiefs, I don't know, turn it around somehow? Who wants to uh, rip into this? Yeah, look, we can share it, but I'm happy to start the... The winless Chiefs versus the Highlanders. Natawa Arkoi, hopefully he's going to return after this one. He was stretched off for a head knock uh, in that round one of our, our competition, but he was walking around post-game, which is a positive. I haven't seen any updates since. Anton and Brown, he had some concussion symptoms and therefore was rested or, or pulled. Mitch Karpik, he also had a concussion before the bye. But don't forget, these guys have all had that extra week off. Josh Uwani, hopefully we see him. He should be right from his groin injury. If so, I think we see him come straight into that 10 jersey. And I think we see Mitch Hunt uh, slot into 15, but share that sort of uh, playmaker role 
a little bit as a 10, 12, 10, 15 sort of combo. Yeah, I think um, we touched on it saying Mitch Hunt's getting better every week. So uh, Joshua Whitey wouldn't want to sit on the bench uh, another week or two. He might not get his spot. I think Hunt could fill that 15 role that's been quite lacking for them at the moment. Um, Collins really has just been absent for them. They've tried a few other guys there and they've all been pretty poor. So I think that would be a good crack to, to give these guys a chance. Um, they might need to use Mitch Hunt for his tactical kicking game as well in this one. So I, I think he's got to be on there. Um, Nehem Milner-Scudder is now targeting round eight, which is, is it this week or the following week that he, he's targeting for us? Following week. So who knows when we'll see him or if we see him. Um, but yeah, he, he's starting to look more like a, a player coach slash morale booster like DC at the Blues. Um, Chiefs need Anton Leonard-Brown there to, to shore up and give them a bit more uh, power in that, that back line. Alan Milo needs to be back starting and absolutely firing on all cylinders. But it's it's tough in that centre pairing. Who's your partner for Anton Leonard-Brown? Nankavell really hasn't had his crack. Tupay has had good and bad sort of times. Tamua Manu, he offers a few different things as well. Who do you think will pair up with Anton Leonard-Brown there? I think they'll go to Pyre again. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I think we say it every week, you know, mm-hmm. obviously we love Nankavell. Um, hasn't got a shot, but I don't know. It's, it's all about ALB for me. He's just the key to that. I, he's not just the key to the back line. He's the key to the Chiefs, really. Um, when he's on form, they seem to be going, you know, things seem to be they, happening. I think they've pushed their chips into Pyre, to be honest. Uh, I think so as well. Uh, look, uh, I think it's time we see Samasoni Takeaho get another run again. He was so powerful in them early on this year. He's getting roughly 25 minutes in the last couple of games and it is not something that's working out good for them. Give him an absolute just crack at doing whatever he feels like. The guy's a beast. Um, what do the Chiefs need to improve? It, it's a hard one to put your finger on because they have power, they have some some real quality around the paddock, but they just can't seem to put it all together. Um, they have an absolutely incredible roster. Um, Gatlin's he's he's not seeming to impart himself on this team as much as everyone expected there there would be. I mean, there's no real evidence of of him doing a lot in terms of how they're operating. I think yeah, my sorry, my note here that I chucked in it was. It was like, I, I don't know what's changed with the Chiefs. Their, their roster hasn't changed all that much. When you go through it, it's still pretty pretty amazing. They've got strength all throughout. Um, so what's going wrong? Like, is, it, is there something with Gatlin taking over? Uh, has he changed anything, any of the structures, and it's not paying off? I don't know. Like, there's nothing particularly evident to me, but uh, I just can't put my finger on what's going wrong with the Chiefs. I, my assumption is not being the analysts, you know, that they're not playing. They don't seem to be playing in the Chiefs' manner that we we know and love like they don't seem to have the same attacking endeavor and license to thrill that they always have so i think gatlin's a little bit more structured than what they might be used to and i think they're probably just getting used to that change and and, you know when the competition is such a high level a small drop in form makes a big difference structure i think is probably the key word there he's he's come across from um six nations and uk footy and where they really need to be structured and in the way that they play more so than Kiwi footy, which is, you know, dynamic kick returns, having people there popping off the ball. And it's not suiting the the Chiefs at the moment, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. um, Who else in this one? Liam Coltman to start. 
uh, the Coltman uh, Dixon merry-go-round continues, but Dixon really played well. I thought on the weekend, Harry and I were chatting about him. Yeah. For me, he's he's been the the standout between the two of them, and I think he's earned that spot. But in this side, they just seem to share time, so I, I wouldn't be banking on either of them to to start in your fantasy side. Um, Scott Gregory, hopefully. I mean, this is someone who's been talked up so much. They don't have that presence on the right wing when he's been having his chance. They don't have Naholo or Nabura or Fanganuku or someone there to, to fill that tough, strong role. He is really just not putting his name down on that wing. Matt, you just you stepped around my, my talking point there. I said they haven't they're not able to fill their Waiseki size Naholo uh, on the right wing there. I thought that was that was gold, really. But, um, you know, uh, Tima Fanganuku, I thought, was someone of that mould, but he just hasn't, um, hasn't, he hasn't lived up to the hype. I mean, he, he was fantastic for Tasman in the, um, in the premiership. He hasn't had enough of a crack to be able to live up to that hype, to be, to be fair. Is he, is he available? Like, is he, he's not injured? We know Nabur yeah. is injured. Is Fanganuku? But I think he's, think he's available. I think he's available. Yeah. Well, um, Anyone's guess who starts on that right wing there, but I assume it's going to be Gregory again. Yeah, sadly it could be, but hopefully they just go. Let's just throw anyone else in there. Throw in what's his name, the the back rower that that filled it in for them as well. Um, Ricky Ben Nicholas. Oh look, and on the weekend they had Sean Frizzell, uh, Marina Makili Tuu, and Turiki Ben Nicholas as their back row at one point in that match. That's oh, what, that's what dreams are made of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you see this going, boys? Do you think the the Chiefs will get their first win or the Highlanders will double their season tally and get two? How are you first? Um, my gut feeling is that the Chiefs will get over the line, but I think both teams are showing lots of good things without showing that kind of whole last strike to be able to score a lot of points. So I think they're both they're both going to going to be pushing to see which team can, I guess, get their mojo back a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, I'm going to be different. I'm going to say I think the Highlanders will get it done. I just think they've been more consistent. And whilst uh, I love the Chiefs, I can't keep backing them week after week. Uh, and I just haven't seen... Like I said, I can't put my finger on what, what needs to change. So, And I can't yeah, see yeah. Any, any massive spark happening. So I don't I, I, it's hard between it. I agree with both of you there. Look, I, I think the Chiefs will get up mainly because they're at home. They just went down last time. Um, they've got a few changes. Last time they had Caleb Trask at 10. If they can get ALB, um, Alamalo in and firing, that, that'll be what they need in this match. But it's going to be a, a tough one. Alamalo better be starting for them. I swear to God. Like he, he needs to be on. He does. Mm. Very good. All right. Well, that concludes our main course, uh, which means it is time for a delicious dessert. What you going to do with that dessert? This week, we are going to talk about who has benefited or lost out from this second chance in 2020. So uh, I guess, yeah, who... It's not even just who are the young guns, but who who are the players that are really taking their opportunities um, in this abridged competition. So, um, Harry, why don't you kick us off? I think we're going to go. We're going to pick three players each, and who we think is uh, really been stepping up. Yep. 
So I think my my first one would be Will Jordan. I think he's the obvious one on everyone's lips. He had a huge year last year, but obviously always struggles for game time. Uh, as it's happened so far, he's had a few starts and a, and a single game off the bench. And even then he scored, you know, the game ceiling try with a beautiful line. He's just in red hot form and he's basically untouchable at the moment. Like, no, you, you tell me, how do I drop him from my fantasy team? You don't I, have I, 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 on the bench playing. I can't right? do it. Genuinely play him on the bench. Yeah, yeah 100%. I, I would never drop him. No, no, I didn't. I played him off the bench. And, you, know, you know what? Like... Three, third week in a row on the bench, I'd drop him. That's it. Yeah. That's it. We said, we said last week it would be so hard would to bench him this week because he's, yeah, he's the player of the competition. Three in a row, I would. Three weeks in a row, you know, he's starting next week. No, you don't. That's my, that's my <laughs> All right, my next one is uh, Fraser McWright. I think yes. McWright had never started a Super Rugby game before the uh, the last two games, and he's been one of the absolute breakout players in Super Rugby AU. He is, to me, probably the Form 7 in Australian rugby at the moment, which is ridiculous for a bloke that's just played his first ever two starts. His turnovers are insane. His work <clears throat> the tackle is insane. He's got good hands. He's got a decent running game. I think he's been better than Michael Hooper. And I think Michael Hooper's been pretty good for his own Super Rugby standard. Shots fired. Damn. It's it's a tough call. When you think of Aussie sevens that are absolute legends, you've got George Smith, you've got David Pocock. I think we're seeing the creation of the next one. I think the telling question will be... He is a weapon. Nelson knows it's coming, but the telling question will be, at, when you were the same age as him, wh- who was better, Nelson, you or McRae? <laughs> oh, mate, what a dumb question. Of me. <laughs> Got him. Uh, no, very good. All right, Harry's stolen one from me and one from Nelson. I realise I shouldn't let him go first, but uh, who's your Frizzle. third player? I've got one more, Shannon Frizzle. Oh, how do you? Uh, look, <clears throat> need I say more? Someone's done the research for me here. He's got a 51-point average so far this uh, Aotearoa <clears throat> season. Back in the original Super Rugby season, he was 19.8. And, you know, we've been asking and asking and asking where the hell is the form of this menacing number six that was just tearing teams apart. And we thought he was going to be the starting number six all the way through the Rugby World Cup. And he just didn't ever show that form again. And, I mean, we've seen it a few weeks in a row now. He's, he's ripping people apart. He's taking a little bit of that load away from McKeeley too. He found that combination, got back involved this week, I think, after after the last sort of couple of weeks. He was a little bit quieter, mm. or last week at the very least. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and I just thought I'd really quickly say where he went in our draft. So I picked him up in my team. 62nd overall pick. How good. Well, yeah, amazing, right? Not bad. Mm. So who's up next, Carrigs? Me or you, mate? I'll go first, just because we might run out of players here. Um, no, look, for me, very easy one. The pony, Pone Fa'au Masili, whose name I definitely just butchered. No, but, you're um, all right, mate. Really? You reckon? pretty good. All right, well, uh, I was going to try to use that, the butchering of the name, to talk about how he butchers anyone who gets in his way, mate. Holy dooly. <clears throat> I mainly wanted to bring him up again just so I could talk further. I mentioned uh, in the Rebels game this week, but wowzers. No, that was fantastic. He, um, he's not only been... Delivering with big hits and big runs. Uh, he has been delivering where he needs to in the set piece. So, first week, we were really shocked to see the Rebel scrum absolutely giving it to the Grumpies. Um, you know, after I think the first 20 minutes, there was a bunch of uh, penalties against the Brumbies scrum. 
Blaufinger and Alan Altoa were getting up and just looked absolutely shocked what was going on. So um, now he has been, um, I think he's been very good, uh, the pony, and extremely excited about him. Again, a guy who can play number eight and prop. I think he's, what, 6'5 and 135 kilos, and he's got... 130 kgs, mate. Well, look, just let me inflate his numbers, mate. I'll talk him up to the high heavens. And he's got a very impressive mullet as well. So, um, no, he's been good. Um, and, and I think, look, I think you're locked down. He's starting place for the Rebels, so, <clears throat> which is good. Not hard. Uh, not hard? No, yep, true. Um, <laughs> next player, very easy to pick, Jack Maddox. Um, I think that, look, there's when he burst onto the scene, I think Stephen Larkham said he saw him as a 10. Um, quite a few people have seen him as a 15. And he's just, uh, I guess, always been kind of relegated to the wing because he's been behind Rebels captain Dane Haler-Petty down in Melbourne and then at the, at the Tars behind Kirtley Beale. So he, in these few games, he's, these two games he's proved he is an out-and-out fullback and he's fantastic. So just got absolute game vision, hell of a boot on him um, and can, he, he can both uh, run fantastic counter-attack and he can slot into the first receiver like a 10. He's very, very valuable and I think... Um, Look, there's been lots of overseas offers uh, vying for him, but I think I think in these two games for mine, he's locked down the ten, the fifteen jersey for the Tars, and um, I, um, if he stays on the trajectory, he's he's going to lock in a, a Wallabies fifteen slot for mine. But I have a, a sneaking suspicion that the talks of him overseas were very much a part of we need to get him at fifteen, and maybe a part of we should let Bill go before the end of the year, and, and different things there because they wanted to show they've got faith in Maddox. They brought Maddox across, and he needed that fifteen jersey. And sadly, if Bill was there, he, he just wasn't going to be able to have that position. Yeah, yeah fair enough. No, that's um, I think that's look. I don't like to comment on the politics. Uh, I just stick to. Um, the rugby, but um, yeah, I don't know where that came from. But no, certainly there's probably something in the works like that. You're literally but, uh, in a media magazine cover, like you, <laughs> the whole thing is commenting on the politics. This is true. No, well, yeah, if you haven't uh, seen it, you've got to check out uh, the check out Draft Rugby on YouTube. This episode will go up there. And again, I'm bringing the heat with the virtual Zoom background. Harry and Nelson haven't worked out how to set one yet, but um, no, I'm actually having listeners send through uh, Zoom backgrounds, and this one is fantastic. Can you hear me, Craig? I can't hear you. That is in my Zoom background. I'm glad to know that you can read the comments <laughs> of my Cosmopolitan magazine cover Zoom background. All right, you got one more, man. Let's go. One more. Look, I was going to choose uh, a player I think Nelson wants to talk about. Well, actually, he probably wants to talk about any of these next few players um, that we've just written down, but. Uh, no, Caleb Clark, for sure. Um, I just think he's been absolutely unreal. I, uh, I've already tried uh, to trade him from Nelson desperately a few times. Um, With some terrible offers. Absolutely. Um, I bring you the worst of the worst. Uh, but, uh, no, he has been incredible, I think. Um, he's just an absolute weapon, and I won't go on about him for the next 10 minutes like I, you guys are expecting me to. But um, he's just, just good in all areas. Absolutely out and out of left. So... That's me done. Nels, bring us home. Look, I'm going to start off with a guy that has not been talked about anywhere near enough, James Ram. He is starting on the wing after Beal left, as we were just talking about, which gave Maddox that fullback jersey. And he is a lot of that attack that we're seeing from the Tars. He is breaking tackles and splitting the line at absolute will. 
and he has a massive boot on him. He has definitely earned that starting spot in my eyes. And right now, he is looking the more dangerous of the two wingers at the Tars, where uh, Noanganetawasi is looking more like the man they just cross-field kick to and doesn't seem to get as, as much opportunity uh, so he needs to get himself back involved. I think that's fair. For, for as much as we've chatted about um, Marky Mark, uh, that James Ram has been absolutely... He has been brilliant. He's, he's a huge bloke. He's, he's like about 6'4 yeah. as well, and he's, he's not high 90 kilos. No, he's, he's tall. He's 63, 6'3", I think. Yeah. Um, but he's just... I don't know if he's high 90s. 187. I think... He's 90 what? kilos, 187 centimetres, 90 kilo. Okay, that's standard to me. I've just inflated all the stats as per usual, but um, he looks big. He looks big. Uh, the camera added 10 pounds to him. Yeah, 90 kilos isn't what you call a massive rugby oh, union player. I take it back. He's grown on rugby. 190 centimetres, 91 kilos. So. Yeah, he's six foot three and 91 kgs. Um, yeah, no problem. Filippo Dalgunu, we've touched on him before. He had three matches before the break with a, a total of tw- or average of 24 points pre-COVID. He missed a few games before that after a red card in the trials. Yeah, what was that? A, f- a five-try performance rounded out with a red card. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. But he, he is back and he is looking dangerous for the Reds. He's averages 44 over the last few weeks and, and he's really showing what he can offer on the field. It's hard. You guys have taken most people here. I'm not going to go for what my guts tell me. I'm going to go Mac Hansen. Mac Hansen's been, he had the one week, but he came into that match. The only thing we really had out of him was um, a few people there were saying he, he seemed like um, he just had so much to offer and he's a, a brilliant player, similar to a young Larkin is what I heard, which is a bit crazy, but he really showed a lot at 15 last week. I'd love to see him starting in the wing over Muirhead if we don't have Solomon Akata back. He looks like an absolute weapon. I agree. I think, uh, yeah, in terms of players who have benefited the most, um, look, he's, he's been firmly put on the on the radar, hasn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, very young player, uh, a lot of development to go, but, um, yeah, he's certainly on everyone's radar now. Definitely. Very good. Well, look, I think that will do us. So, yeah, there was just a couple of players who we thought have really stepped up um, and taken their opportunities. And, uh, yes, we're very excited. Um, we don't really have another platform update. We've, uh, if you haven't already, check out um, Hugh's latest uh, uh, blog post, just kind of outlining where we're at, what are our next steps. Hugh's done some fantastic work um, on the platform in terms of both uh, client-side and server-side error reporting. So we had a few bugs we were trying to work, uh, work our way through, and now we've got all the infrastructure in place to allow us to wash any bugs very quickly. And um, huge shout out and thank you to those who have been um, in Hughes DMs and um, helping us track down and reproduce some of these bugs. So now that we've got that in place, we can push forward again with, with our features. So next in the line, we touched on last week, lineups and then the league table. Um, and yeah, just stay tuned. Uh, we'll obviously be shouting out as, as these come online and um, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, am I right in saying that you put out our um, Excel sheet that we use as our backup platform at the moment? Did you share that out? Uh, I don't think I did. I did. Have we? Uh, I think it just needed a little bit of adjustment before you shared it out because it had the 23-man squads and, and things along those lines. Well, we'll make sure that that gets out. Um, in fact, yeah, I'll just make sure there's a... 
is a Google Drive share link to a folder that will have a, bu a bunch of resources that we use. Um, so you can get stuck into those. Um, also, make sure you flick across to our Instagram. We have a brilliant graphic designer on there. And uh, I've absolutely been loving our, uh, our FIFA-style cards on, on player stats. Um, and I, I put up a little thing today in explaining everything you need to know when you're looking at that because there's abbreviations and, and different things there. So go have a little look at that. And just a quick hint on that, our um, graphic designer is the only person on the pod who'd talk about himself in the third person and also said he was better than Michael Hooper back in the day. So um, Never said that. No, that's... <laughs> no, not now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Draft Rugby Podcast and we will catch you in the next one.